Thanks for listening to the Valley Point Church Podcast. We hope it's a blessing to you. This is week four of our series called Made, which is all based on the words of Psalm 139, verse 14, which say, I praise you. And here the author is thanking and praising God because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, God. My soul knows it very well. I praise you, God, because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. These words were written by King David, an ancient king, and he understood something to be true of him, even with all of his faults and with all of his problems and all of his failures, he just had clarity on the fact that he was fearfully and wonderfully made. And I think that carried him through life. This isn't just a King David thing, though. I believe this is true of all of us, that we are fearfully and wonderfully made in the image of God himself. In week one of the series, we talked about this Latin phrase, imago Dei, which means in the image of God. And when you look to the first page of scripture, Genesis chapter one, you see God's creative genius on full display. And he says about humans, about us, that we image him in the image of God. That's how we are made. And David picks up on that concept when he wrote these words saying, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Consider other thoughts about how we have been made by God from the New Testament. I want to look at Luke chapter 12, verse 6. These are the words of Jesus. He's having a conversation with some people, and here's what he says. What is the price of five sparrows? Two copper coins? Yet God does not forget a single one of them. And the very hairs on your head are all numbered. What an extraordinary thought. We don't know the number of hairs on our head unless you are clean shaven. Then you probably have a concept. But if you're not, we have no idea. But yet here the verse is telling us God knows the hairs on our head. They are all numbered. And so the conclusion is don't be afraid because you are more valuable to God than a whole flock of sparrows. Good news. What about Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10? It says, we are God's masterpiece. And that word means we are God's workmanship. We are God's creation. And here's the beautiful thing about that verse. You can personalize it. I am God's masterpiece. Put your name in there. I am God's workmanship. I am God's creation. We are fearfully and wonderfully made by God. That is great news for all of us. So everybody in here should smile, okay? Can you do that? Great. We're fearfully and wonderfully made in the image of God himself. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever made something? Have you ever created something, designed it, and then made it? I remember when I was in middle school, I signed up for shop class, and I was pretty excited about that because the main 
project in the class was a lamp. And everybody was going to get to design and then make a lamp. And that sounded wonderful to me. And so I started the class and the instructor was a great individual, very helpful and encouraging. And he helped me design this lamp that was personal to me and what I wanted to do. And everybody else in the class had their own designs. It was a lot of fun until we actually had to start making the lamp. And then I had to get the wood pieces and there were saws in the room with gigantic blades that could lop off your hand. It was all very intimidating for me, these moving pieces, and and I didn't know what to do, but the instructor, again, was very helpful and encouraging, and he guided me through the process, and I finished the lamp. The lamp was pathetic. When it was all said and done, the thing was a disaster. I didn't like it. I took it home. My mom kind of nodded and patted me on the head and said, looks great, and then proceeded to throw it away a few years later. After years of therapy, I'm over that now. (laughs) But I realized during that whole process that making and creating things was probably not going to be a career path for me. But that's okay. It's okay because I am fearfully and wonderfully made on purpose and for a purpose, and that's true of you as well. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. That brings us to our big idea for today, which will frame the rest of our time together. So please take out your talk notes, grab a pen, and let's walk through this. Our big idea, protect your inner person. Okay? Protect your inner person. And I think as we move through this conversation, that will make more sense. Protect your inner person. We're going to look at one verse today. It's in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. So if you have a Bible or a device, you can begin searching for that. If you have a Bible, if you open it up to the halfway mark, you'll probably find the book of Psalms. That is the largest book in the entire Bible, in both the Old Testament and the New Testament, just a ton of chapters, and it is a great read. If you find Psalms and just keep turning to the right, the very next book is Proverbs. And Proverbs are Proverbs, right? That's what they are. But let me give you a little bit of background and understanding of Proverbs. Here's what we need to know about this book. There's one key word that shapes this entire book. It's the word wisdom. Or how to live skillfully and how to live godly lives. But that is quite an assignment, isn't it? Okay, I need to live with wisdom. I need to live with skill, with Godliness, that sounds great, but quite a task. And so I think the question becomes, how in the world can I live with wisdom? How can I live with skill? How can I live with godliness, especially in a godless world? How do I do that? How can I gain wisdom? Well, that's where the book of Proverbs comes into play. The principal author of this book is Solomon. Solomon is the son of King David who wrote the words of Psalm 139. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. 
And I'm sure he passed on that type of encouragement and that type of information to his son, who also became a king and an author. Solomon is considered by many to be one of the wisest individuals to ever live. And so it makes sense that the key word of the book of Proverbs is wisdom, skill, and how to live a godly life. Now, there are other authors of different Proverbs, but Solomon is the principal. And here's what he does. He begins to talk about wisdom through poetry, poems, pithy statements, short stories, and wise maxims, all designed to give us practical suggestions and a divine perspective on how to walk through the challenges we face in life. That's the backdrop of Proverbs. Keyword is wisdom. Many of the Proverbs written by Solomon, and that takes us now to Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 23. I want us to think about this particular verse. It's very profound. Here's what it says. Guard your heart above all else for it determines the course of your life. Quite a statement here. The challenge is, the wisdom given to everyone reading this, is that there is something we need to do above everything else. So instantly, this makes the verse quite important. And what we are to do above everything else is to guard your heart. I want you to join me in saying this verse. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Now, some very interesting words that are found in this verse. There is the word guard, which means to preserve, to keep, to maintain, to protect. That's the idea of the word guard. So we preserve, we keep, we maintain, we protect our hearts above all else. And the significance of that statement is, this is something we do with vigilance. So it's not a casual, oh, all right, maybe I'll do that if I have the time, or if it's convenient or easy for me. It's not that. This is something I must do with vigilance. So guard, preserve, keep, maintain, protect your heart with vigilance. Why? Why do that? Why is Solomon, with all of his wisdom, saying above everything else, preserve, keep, maintain, protect your heart, and do it with vigilance? Well, it's because it determines the course of your life. So today, guess what? We're going to have a little heart conversation. We're going to talk about our hearts specifically and the challenge to guard them But in order to have this conversation about the heart, we have to roll out a few thinking points so that we understand what this ancient text means when it talks about the heart. In our Western mindset, we think about an organ inside of us that's vitally important, and of course, we have to take care of that in order to live and to survive. We primarily think about an organ, though, and that's not really the case in the ancient world. They thought, about a little bit more than just a part of the body. So here's a couple of thinking points just to shape our view of the heart because this is what we're discussing. Guard your heart, preserve it, 
Maintain it. That's really important. But what, what does that actually mean? So thinking point number one, the heart generally has a broader meaning in scripture than just being part of the body. In scripture, when the word heart is used, it's really referring to the inner person, the whole inner person, everything that's happening on the inside. So we could say Proverbs chapter four, verse 23 this way, guard your inner person. Okay, and that's what the writer is saying. Not just this organ, but guard your inner person above all else because all issues of life flow from what happens deep on the inside. There's two different words used for heart throughout scripture. And I think this is just good information for us because it all speaks to the same thing. The word that we find for heart in the Old Testament is a Hebrew word, that's leb. That's referring to the heart, and that's what we find here in Proverbs chapter 4. Guard your heart, guard your leb, this inner person. That's the Old Testament Hebrew word. In the New Testament, we have a Greek word, cardia. And that's where we get the English word cardiac, or anything related to the heart. These two words, leb and cardia, are used over 1,000 times throughout the Bible, which tells us that this word, leb and cardia, that speak of the heart, this inner person, is the most common anthropological term used in the Bible. And it always has the idea of your center or what's on the inside, that inner person. So as we think about Proverbs chapter four today, guard your heart, we're not talking just about the organ, we are talking about who we are deep down on the inside, at the core, at the center, our inner person, where we often have conversations with ourselves and we make decisions and no one may know what's happening on the inside. No one may know anything about that, but God certainly is aware because he made this in us. And I think that's why through Solomon, God encourages all of us, you have to guard this inner person. You have to guard what happens on the inside. You have to guard your core, your center, because from this flow all of the issues of life. So the heart, again, it has a broader meaning in scripture. It refers to the inner person. The Jewish encyclopedia states it this way. The heart is the seat of the emotional and intellectual life. The three special functions, knowing, feeling, and willing, ascribed by modern psychologists to the mind, were attributed to the heart by the biblical writers. When we see the word Leb or cardia, or in the English, the word heart in scripture, it's talking about the inner person where everything takes place. That's really important for us to know. Which takes us to thinking point number two, and that is your heart matters. Because we're talking about the inner person, not just an organ, 
that is vitally important to our health and life, but we're talking about what happens on the inside and your heart matters. Does that make sense? Okay. In light of that, the inner person, the center of who we are, and this challenge from God to guard that, to protect it, to maintain it, here are some questions for us to consider. What shapes your inner person? Okay, I want everybody to think about that. Because something shapes what happens on the inside of you. So what shapes your inner person? And what does your inner person give its most time to throughout the week? Who speaks into your inner person? What is the counsel or advice of outside voices saying to your inner person? And then would you say you are guarding your inner person from attitudes and appetites that take you away from God? You know, quite honestly, there is so much in life that takes us away from God, and it's shocking how fast that can happen. And so again, this is why God tells us to guard that inner person. And so these are questions for us to consider who's speaking into that and what are these attitudes and appetites doing in us. In week one of the series, I talked to you about King David, this ancient king who penned the words of Psalm 139, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. And we talked about his heart, his inner person and how God viewed that. I want to go back and revisit that a little bit because it just gives us a great perspective on the heart being the inner person of who we are. So let's travel back a little bit to 1 Samuel chapter 15. Let me give you some background and some context on what's happening here before David is ever crowned king, before he ever becomes rich and famous, Before he ever writes anything that we read today, there were some things that were happening historically. And we can read all about this in 1 Samuel. So Samuel, he is a prophet. Prophets were a big deal to ancient Israel. Because here's how God's theocratic rule worked during this particular time. God would speak directly to the prophets and say, okay, prophet, whoever you are, This one happens to be Samuel. So, okay, prophet Samuel, here's what I want you to communicate to the nation of Israel, my beloved people. Here's what I want for them. Here's what they need to be doing. Here's how they can honor me. Here's how they can please me. And so, Samuel, I'm going to talk to you about this, and then you write it all down or get it in your head or however you want to do that, and then you communicate this to the people. And that's what Samuel would do. He was a prophet He was a wise individual. He was very influential. Well, what we discover in 1 Samuel is that God works through Samuel to choose Israel's very first king. It's time for them to be ruled that way. And God worked through the prophet to say, here's how this whole thing is going to work. And I will choose a king and I will make that very clear to you, Samuel, and then you'll be able to communicate that to the people. And so that's how the process worked. God made it clear to Samuel, the prophet, the voice of God to the people, that Saul, 
would be the very first king of Israel. The only problem is, and again, we can read all about this in the book of 1 Samuel, is that Saul didn't have a heart for obeying God. His inner person was not pointed in God's direction. And he had a lot of attitudes and appetites and voices taking him away from honoring God on the inside. And so God approaches Samuel to talk about this particular problem. And here's what we read in 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 10. Then the Lord said to Samuel, I am sorry that I ever made Saul king. That's quite a statement. Because God did this. He worked through Samuel. And so it really gives us some interesting thoughts about how God operates. And here he is. I'm I'm sorry I ever made Saul king. And, And here's why. He has not been loyal to me and has refused to obey my command. And here's Samuel's response. And this is so good for us to read because often we forget that these are real humans we're dealing with here. And they have real emotions and real feelings. Samuel hears this and he was so deeply moved when he heard what God said that he cried out to the Lord all night. Cried out to God all night long because Saul did not have this heart for God. His inner person was not pointed in God's direction. God then sends Samuel on a search to find a new king. Okay, Saul's not the king. His heart's not for me. We're going to search and we're going to look for a new king. And Samuel, I want you to go to this town over here and you find Jesse and his family. Jesse has a ton of sons. And when you get there, I'll reveal to you which one of those sons will be the next king. And so Samuel starts his journey and he finds Jesse's family. And he begins to interview these different sons, hoping that God would say something to him. In the process of this, God says something very interesting to Samuel, and we find this in chapter 16, verse 7. And here's where we get this perspective on how God looks on the inside and why we need to guard the inner person. 1 Samuel 16, verse 7, the Lord doesn't see things the way you see them, Samuel. God doesn't see things the way you see them, People judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the, say the word with me, heart. God looks at the heart. That's the Hebrew word, leb. God looks on the inside. God looks at our center. God looks at the core. And because of what God saw in David's inner person, He is then crowned king. What I think is so fascinating about all of this is that the word heart used in 1 Samuel 16, verse 7, is the same word used in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. It's also the same word we see used in 2 Chronicles 16, 9 that says this, the eyes of the Lord search the whole earth in order to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. I find that to be a scary proposition. That the eyes of the Lord 
Guess what they do? They roam the earth. I think this is still happening. The eyes of the Lord, they roam the earth, and he's looking into the hearts of people to see if they are fully committed to him. If on the inside, at the center, at the core, if the inner person is directed to him. So, 1 Samuel 16.7, Proverbs 4.23, 2 Chronicles 16.9, it's the same word used for heart, and that just helps us to know this. God cares about what happens on the inside. He cares about it. Where nobody else sees and where nobody else knows, God cares deeply about our center and our inner person, so much so that through Solomon, he would communicate to us in 2019, guard your heart, guard your inner person, watch it, protect it because it matters. So because it matters and because it's so important to God that we guard what's happening on the inside, let's get really practical here and I wanna share three takeaways that I believe will help all of us guard our inner person. So here we go. Number one, check your appetites. Nobody else may know about these, but you know about your appetites on the inside. Are they moving you toward the one who made you? See, I think appetites do one of two things. They either move us toward God or they take us away from him. And so these appetites on the inside, are they moving you toward God? I think we all have to evaluate this. As we think about the inner person, which is a little hard to describe and define, let's think about our appetites on the inside. Are they moving us toward the one who made us or not? Secondly, check your attitudes. Are they selflessly reflecting the heart of the one who made you? Your attitudes. And I think we can describe our attitudes this way. It's how we respond to people and to life's situations. That's our attitude. When things go well, what's our attitude? And when things don't go well, and that certainly happens in life quite a bit, maybe more often than what we would hope, things don't always go our way, and what's our attitude in that particular moment? Are our attitudes selflessly reflecting the heart of the one who made us? And then thirdly, Does your inner person, does your heart reflect Micah chapter 6, verse 8? We're talking about this verse quite a bit because it's our life verse as a church. Micah chapter 6, verse 8 helps us to know what God wants for us. He has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? Well, here's what he requires. To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. I think if our inner person reflects justice, mercy, and humility, we're on the right path. And that's good news. If the core of us does not reflect justice, generosity, and mercy to all, and humility as we walk with God and for God, 
then this is an opportunity for us to self-correct a little bit and think about the core, think about the inner person and say, okay, justice, mercy, and humility, this is what I need to pursue. So does your inner person reflect our church life verse of acting justly, loving mercy, and walking humbly? I was talking to one of my kids the other day, just kind of quizzing them on Micah chapter 6, verse 8. And do you know the three phrases? They're like, oh, yeah, yeah, I know the three phrases. Act justly, love mercily. I'm like, mercily. Not exactly a word, but you're on the right path, so we can go with that. And what's the final one? It's the humility piece. So however you want to say that, let's act justly, love mercily, and walk humbly, knowing if we're on that path, I believe our inner person is pointing toward God. Okay? Back to the big idea. Protect. Guard. Watch your inner person because it determines the course of your life. And this inner person, God made it. God made it. That's good news. Let's make sure it's pointed toward him. Father, we are thankful for some time today to look at the ancient words of Solomon who many years ago told us to guard our hearts. And as we look at that and as we study, we understand that means to guard the inner person where we think, where we feel, where we make decisions. God, help us to guard that person. I pray that for me. I pray that for everyone in this room. God, you made us. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. It's incredible. But so often we can drift from you and it happens quickly, so... Today, perhaps, God, is about saying we want to humbly come before you and just check the core, the center, our hearts. And make sure that they are moving in your direction. God, my confession to you is I don't think about the inner person enough. And I don't do that because nobody else knows what's happening there. And my appetites and attitudes don't always reflect you. And I confess that. I pray that you'd give me the courage to do the hard work of guarding my inner person. And God, I pray that over every person in this room as well that you'd give them the strength as they walk out of here in just a few moments, ready to guard what happens on the inside. And may it always be pointed to you. And when it's not, God, help us to make a course correction and get back on that right path. I'd like for you just to keep your head bowed for a moment. And for you to say something like this to God. 
God, here's what I heard you say to me today. Here's what I heard you say to me and then just personalize that and commit to doing what God places on your heart. Father, would you help us now as we respond to you and seek to point our hearts in your direction? Help us, we do pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you call Valley Point Church home or would like to make a donation, please go to valleypointchurch.com slash online giving. If you're in need of prayer, we would love to serve you in that way. Send us a message at prayer at valleypointchurch.com. Be blessed.